Hello, it's Wednesday, the 23rd of November, and welcome to another edition of Korea 24. I'm your host, Kwon Jang Woo. Rival parties have reached an agreement to open a parliamentary investigation into the Itaewon crowd crush tragedy last month. We'll have more in news briefing shortly. Meanwhile, another political tug of war is taking place over whether to postpone a new capital gains tax on stock investments set to take effect next year. We'll explore this issue further for our in depth today. And then coming up on Korea Book Club, we discover a story by Park w a n s a about the challenges of finding love in old age. We have all that and more on today's Career 24. Questions on whether a parliamentary probe on the Itaewon crowd crush disaster will be launched in tandem with an ongoing special police investigation appear to have some answers now. On Wednesday, the floor leaders of rival political parties agreed that they would launch the inspection at the legislative level. For more on this and our other headlines of the day, we're joined on the line now by KBS World Radio News Editor Eunice Kim. Eunice, hello. Hello, Jano. Yes, this marks quite the turnaround for the ruling camp, which had insisted that a parliamentary inspection be launched only after and if a concluded police investigation is assessed to be insufficient. Yeah, that's right. We heard from the ruling People Power Party's floor leader, Chu Hoyoung, earlier today. Uh, coming out of a general party meeting, he told reporters the ruling camp has decided to participate in the opposition-sought parliamentary investigation into the fatal Itaewon crowd crush after handling next year's budget. Chu added that his party had no choice but to participate in the probe in the face of an anticipated green light at a plan. session scheduled for later this week on Thursday by the main opposition Democratic Party, which of course holds an overwhelming majority at the National Assembly. And by late afternoon, we heard that the floor leaders of the two main political parties, the DP and the PPP, held their negotiations, differences over timing, duration, and scope of the uh, parliamentary probe appeared to be ironed out, clearing the way for lawmakers of the rival parties to pass related bills for the probe again at that plenary session that is scheduled for Thursday. The decision comes more than three weeks after nearly 160 people were killed in the crowd crush in central Seoul where large crowds had poured into the alleys of Itaewon to celebrate Halloween. Right, so an agreement has been reached, but uh, that doesn't mean the end of the political tussles, of course, as the investigation will likely cause uh, friction. Uh, this is a story we will continue uh, to follow in the weeks to come. Meanwhile, let's turn to our other headlines now. Multiple general strikes are warned in the days ahead by the Umbrella Union Group, the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions, or KCTU. Uh, the first of them kicked off today. Uh, Eunice, tell us uh, which they were and what we can expect ahead. Yeah, chapters representing workers from the National Health Insurance Service, the Seoul National University Hospital, and Purame Medical Center under the Korean Public Service and Transport Workers Union began their walkout on Wednesday. They are part of the KCTU, which has issued a list of demands, including that the government and parliament enact an additional law to prevent fatal accidents at construction sites and expand and extend 
and the application of a freight rate system guaranteeing basic wages for truckers. Speaking of truckers, their strike, organized by the cargo truckers Solidarity, will follow on Thursday, beginning at 10 a.m. Up to 3,000 members uh, could block the entry and exit of cargo at each major port and industrial complex targeted local governments and the police have established an emergency response system in the run-up to the strikes and promised to deal sternly with any illegal action. Unionized workers of contract school and public services are set to strike on Friday, followed by those at Seoul Metro and the Korea Railroad Corporation next week on Wednesday and Friday, respectively. Now, okay, we had some late-breaking news yesterday about North Korean leader Kim Jong-un's influential sister, Kim Yajang, having some choice words for the United Nations Security Council on Tuesday, issued hours after the UNSC had convened to discuss the regime's uh, latest intercontinental ballistic missile launch. Uh, we only had a line or two at the time we went to air yesterday, but uh, Eunice, can you fill us in now on more of the details? Right. So we discussed the UNSC meeting at length yesterday, but before the day was up, Kim Yo-jong made headlines accusing the UNSC of applying a double standard to North Korea while turning a blind eye to military exercises and defense augmentation by the U.S. and South Korea. She said it took issue with what she called North Korea's responsive exercise of its inviolable right to self-defense. Uh, Kim Yo-jong, of course, serves as a vice department director of the Central Committee of the Workers' Party of North Korea. She also criticized a joint statement announced by the U.S. and about a dozen other countries, including South Korea, saying it was a violent infringement of the North's self-defense rights and a grave political provocation aimed at driving the situation on the Korean Peninsula to a new crisis phase, adding that anyone criticizing its self-defense rights will not be tolerated. Now, in response, the U.S. mission to United Nations stressed that the South Korea-U.S. joint military exercises are longtime defense drills that do not pose a threat to any country, including North Korea. This according to the mission spokesperson uh, who spoke to Radio Free Asia on Wednesday. A U.S. expert on Asia also noted that the joint drills and the North's provocations cannot be regarded on the same plane as traditional defense military drills are not subject to U.N. sanctions um, or rules, for that matter, while the North's ballistic missile launches are. Meanwhile, out of Seoul, the government says that it will consider sanctioning entities tied to North Korea's cyberspace activities should Pyongyang continue its grave provocations. Mm-hmm. The foreign ministry spokesperson, Im Suzhok, during a uh, media briefing Tuesday said that Seoul is considering additional unilateral sanction measures given the continued provocations by North Korea with more warned. Uh, Im said that if North Korea pushes ahead with a major provocation such as a return to nuclear testing, the government is of the view that an unprecedentedly strong response would be due. And as part Part of such possible responses, he said the government will consider designating North Koreans involved in illegal cyber activities and imposing economic sanctions against them. Moving on to some other headlines now. President Yoon Sang-yeol met with Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla, SpaceX and now Twitter, in a virtual meeting on Wednesday. So, Yunus, can you tell us more? What did they talk about? 
Yeah, according to the presidential office, President Yoon made the case for Elon Musk to invest in South Korea. Uh, he touted the country's world-class industrial ecosystem for automobiles after hearing about Tesla's plans to manufacture finished electric vehicles in Asia at a so-called Giga factory whose name derives from the prefix for billion to indicate large-scale production. The president also sought cooperation between uh, SpaceX and the domestic space industry. Musk, in response, said that he was considering South Korea as one of the prime candidates for investment. Uh, the tech entrepreneur also expressed interest in the country's EV charging infrastructure, saying that Tesla is already using many outstanding South Korean-made parts in its autonomous driving and AI features. He explained he would decide on the location of the new Gigafactory based on the level of manpower, technology, and the production environment. The presidential office also noted today that China has restored South Korean films to its uh, over-the-top or OTT media services in the wake of the South Korea-China summit. Can you tell us more? Right. Korean films had not been broadcast on official Chinese platforms since mid-2016. You'll remember Beijing had then protested Seoul's decision to deploy the U.S. missile defense system, THAAD. Now we are hearing from Senior Presidential Secretary for Public Relations Kim Eun-hae on Tuesday saying that the resumption of uh, OTT media services of uh, South Korean films comes some six years after, uh, and it appears to be in response to last week's summit between the Chinese president and President Yoon Song yeol uh, President Yoon had stressed the importance of cultural and human exchanges, as well as the need for communication during his summit meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping last Tuesday. Kim's remarks come as China's OTT platform Tencent Video was said to be offering the 2018 Korean film Hotel by the River, which was directed by Hong Let's cap things off today with an economic headline, more pessimistic forecasts for South Korea's growth next year, this time from the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. Can you tell mm-hmm. us more? Yeah, in its Global Economic Outlook released on Tuesday local time, the OECD cut its growth forecast for Asia's fourth largest economy for 2023 by 40 basis points to 1.8%. That is down from the 2.2% it projected back in September. The OECD assessed that although private consumption has significantly improved, Exports are slowing down due to weak demand in semiconductors, as well as China's COVID-19 restrictions as high prices persist. The nation's economy has logged growth just under 2% only twice in the past, in 2009, right after the global financial crisis, and in 2020, after the outbreak of COVID-19. That's all for our news briefing today. Eunice, thank you for those updates. You bet. In South Korea, a question mark is hanging over 
whether or not a new capital gains tax on stock investments will go into effect next year as originally planned. The capital gains tax revision, agreed under the former administration in 2020, requires investors to pay a 20% tax on capital gains worth 50 million won or more. Citing the current slump in the stock market, the government and ruling People Power Party want to delay the tax by two years to 2025. The main opposition Democratic Party, though, is against the postponement, but it has set conditions for its possible cooperation, such as lowering the securities transaction tax. Uh, To get some expert analysis on this tax and the ramifications that could follow, if introduced, we're joined on the line now by two guests. First, we have Professor Kim Yong-jin, who is head of Smart Fintech Research Centre at Sogang University. Professor Kim, hello and welcome to our show. Hello. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, we also have our regular contributor for Weekly Economy Review joining us. Uh, economics Professor Yang jun Suk from the Catholic University of Korea joins us on the line <laughs> earlier this week. Professor Yang, hello to you too. Happy to be here. Now, Professor Yang, can you start it off for us? For our listeners, can you explain a bit more about this new capital gains tax on stock investments and what it aims to do? Okay, well, the policy comes from basic principle that where there is income, it should be taxed. Uh, Now, wages are subject to income tax. Interest is subject to financial taxes. Corporate uh, profits are subject to corporate tax. But in Korea, these type of capital gains usually were not taxed fully. Uh, Instead, uh, for uh, uh, stock and securities uh, uh, investments, they used a transaction tax where the uh, tax is charged as part of transactions rather than uh, seeing whether the investors made a profit or loss. And this transactions tax was seen by financial investors as a large shortcoming in the uh, Korean financial markets. So what the capital gains tax originally uh, uh, was meant to do was try to replace the uh, transactions tax, uh, which... Uh, does not care whether you made a profit, whether you made an income or made a loss, uh, but and replace that with a uh, income-based uh, tax. Uh, now, uh, some government agencies uh, still prefer transaction taxes because it provides a steadier income. It's easier to calculate. Uh, but most people, uh, most stock investors argue that transaction taxes have acted as a drag in the uh, stock and bond investments and uh, uh, stock and bond market in Korea. And there has been much argument saying that transactions tax should be replaced by the uh, capital gains tax. Uh, so uh, that's where the uh, capital uh, gains tax idea originally came from. Uh, the uh, opposition Democratic Party mostly want to implement the tax on schedule uh, January 2023. And right now they have the majority of the National Assembly. Uh, the uh, ruling People's uh, Power Party wants to delay implementation for two years. That's also the official uh, position of the government. Uh, now, some technical details uh there, there are also some technical withholding uh, provisions, and uh, there is a provision where if you lose, uh, if you have a negative income, you can uh, use that for five years to reduce your income in the other years. Uh, also, foreign investors may not be subject to the uh, capital gains tax, so a lot of people are complaining that uh, foreigners have an unfair advantage. Also, note that 
while uh, capital gains tax was not charged for uh, most stock investors, uh, for those stock investors who were classified as major uh, stockholders, uh, those who hold more than 10% of the out, uh, outstanding stocks or uh, own more than $1 billion one's worth of uh, particular stocks. Uh, for those uh, major stockholders, they were always uh, subject to a 20% uh, tax on capital gains. Mm. Yes, Professor Yang, thank you for laying out the situation for us. Uh, Professor Kim, let me turn to you now. Before we get your thoughts on the introduction of this new tax, can you first tell us if there are similar taxes in other countries? Uh, if adopted, how would it compare to other countries? Right. Um, yes, yes. Um, most of the even advanced countries, most countries, including the U.S., Japan, France, Germany, and the U.K., have a similar type of capital gain tax. Um, in the U.S., capital gain taxes um, apply only to capital assets that are held for at least one year and sold to generate gains. If the investments are held for less than one year, the properties are considered short-term gains and are taxed as ordinary income. Some countries regard capital gains as ordinary income to charge tax as, as it is. Others separate capital gains from ordinary income and apply different tax rate and sometimes differentiate the tax rate by income bracket. For example, the U.S. government applies 0, 15%, and 20% of capital gain tax rate depending on the taxpayer's tax bracket, which is determined by taxpayer's status, like single or married, and income level. This policy looks very reasonable. And many countries also allow taxpayers to add up their capital loss to report their capital gain tax. Okay, so with that in mind then, Professor Kim, what's your stance then on the introduction of the new capital gains tax on stock investments in Korea? Yeah, I, I strongly believe that the implementation of the capital gains tax need to be done as soon as possible. If it is not implemented, um, the taxation system of Korea is considered fundamentally unfair because you know our government gives you know preferential tax treatment to people who earn capital income, while you know wage income earners are forced to carry a full burden. Absolutely, I acknowledge um, the implementation of the policy uh, might impose additional risk burden on investors. However, when we look at this issue, we have to think about two basic principles, um, as Professor Yang already mentioned. Um, The first is that where there is income, there is tax. People who earn interest from bond and deposits have to pay tax, um, just like in wage earners. When the amount of interest you know they get is greater than uh, 20 million one. Why not in the case of the stock trading? Uh, secondly, the implementation of the policy will result in the lock-in effect, which means that if gains from long-term investment would be taxed less, uh, less than uh, those you know from short-term investment, people will hold the investment for a long uh, period of time. This effect will help stabilize um, the stock market. For these reasons, I think that the implementation of the policy is necessary. Okay, so Professor Kim, you believe that uh, there should be no reason for yeah. a delay and that you wanted <laughs> right. to implement it as soon as possible. Professor Yang, what are your thoughts on this uh, new tax? 
Okay, well, I don't feel as strongly as perhaps Professor Kim, uh, <laughs> but I do think that it is a, a slightly a long time uh, to implement the attacks. Uh, the uh, opponents of attacks, the uh, people who want to delay for two years, they do mention that uh, because the uh, market is uh, falling right now and because uh, there is general instability in the global financial market, uh, we can have a major shock in the uh, stock market uh, when the uh, law is implemented. Uh, they also mentioned that when a similar law was introduced in Taiwan, it, uh, the uh, Taiwanese stock market lost 40 percent of its value, and they uh, withdrew the law rather quickly. Uh, so there is some concern, but what I personally am most concerned about is that the uh, stock investors are already paying a tax. It's a transaction tax. And this transaction tax is not really following the principle of where there is income. It should be taxed because even if you make a loss, uh, you as long as you engage in transactions, you have to pay a tax. So in some sense, uh, it's a fee. Uh, but uh, the whole idea of the capital gains tax came about to replace the uh, transaction taxes. And I know that the, uh, there is a uh, uh, idea that's being floated around by the uh, Democratic Party uh, that seeks to reduce the transactions tax. Mm. But if we do not reduce the transactions tax and just impose capital uh, gains tax, you're just adding on taxes. And I'm not sure if that is a good idea right now. Uh, if there is a solid plan transition uh, to go from the uh, – transaction tax-based system that we have right now to a capital gains uh, tax system, I may be uh, more favorable to that and uh, perhaps a slower phase-in period uh, is necessary. Uh, but just adding capital gains tax, I'm not too crazy about that idea. Right. So you do believe there is a need for capital gains tax, but uh, perhaps uh, uh, it can be introduced more in a slower manner. And also uh, you have greater concerns about the transactional uh, tax. Uh, Professor Kim, Professor Yang mentioned about mm -hmm. the potential shock to the market uh, if it's introduced next year. Uh, do you have such concerns at all? No, actually, um we just think about when we introduced the real name financial system. A lot of people worried about you know the shock which might be um, put on the financial market, and it lagged like a it dragged like a ten years, fifteen years. You know when uh, we started to discuss, and but you know when it is it was introduced, there was no shock actually. Only only three months, and then after that. The stock market, you know, uh, rise a lot. So um, I don't think, you know, this kind of system uh, would, you know, uh, put, put that much of shock on the stock market. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in short time, there might be some kind of concern, some kind of shock. You know, the stock market might, you know, uh, going down, but uh, will recover soon. Mm. Professor Yang. Uh one of the criticisms has been that uh, the delay only benefits the super-rich investors as the mm -hmm. uh, number of investors who make a 50 million in profits from stock investments account for less than 1% of the total number of investors. Uh, the tax could also increase government's tax revenue uh, by uh, 1.5 trillion one according to estimates. Uh, Professor Yang, what do you make of the criticism that uh, the, the reason that this being uh, delayed is because uh, 
they're, they're wary about uh, uh, making sure the super rich are looked after? Well, technically, it's not necessarily super rich. It's uh, basically people who perhaps were lucky enough to make a lot of money in the stock market over the last year. And uh, you could be a uh, middle-class citizen, and you might have gotten lucky in the market, and you would have still have to pay taxes. Uh, now, uh, the I think the uh, biggest problem that I see, though, is what I mentioned earlier. Uh, if you add capital gains tax to the transactions tax, then the entire uh, tax burden for everybody uh, goes up. Now, uh, you may say that uh, this tax benefits, uh, the uh, delay in tax only benefits the super rich, uh, but again, uh, it could, uh, you could get lucky and uh, you may earn an extraordinary income in the stock market even though you're uh, just a middle-class uh, household. Uh, and basically, I think you have to think about the total tax burden uh, rather than uh, just the tax burden that's coming from the uh, capital gains tax. Uh, so again, uh, the entire idea of the capital gains tax was introduced because they wanted to replace the uh, transactions tax with the capital gains tax, which I think is a good idea. Uh, but they would have to link the two, I think, uh, for um, me to feel better about uh, instituting the uh, capital gains tax. Uh, Professor Kim, yeah, what do you I make? Mean, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, basically, you know, the original plan, um, you know, the ruling party and opposition party agreed two years ago. Uh, it's exactly like what Professor Yang said. Now, gradually, the transaction, you know, tax uh, will reduce to zero. And then, you know, um, the capital gains tax will replace the transaction tax. That was the original idea. And then this is just the starting point. Absolutely, over the time, I think, you know, um, they will differentiate the, you know, uh, tax rate based on uh, income bracket or tax bracket. Mm. Uh, Professor Yang, uh, it seems at the moment the government wants to uh, postpone it. Uh, but the DP have uh, offered a possible pr- proposal of lowering the transaction tax, uh, which is what you're concerned about, that would lower it from, uh, I believe, uh, uh, 0.5 percentage points. Uh, What do you make of of that plan? Well, if they explicitly tied the two together, I would feel a lot better about it. And if they installed a further time schedule uh, so that the uh, reduction in trans action taxes are tied to perhaps increases in capital gains tax, uh, that I, I think uh, I would feel a lot better about it. Uh, as I said, I think what matters is the uh, total tax burden uh, rather than which proportion goes to transaction tax and which proportion goes to capital gains tax. Uh, so uh, if they can manage a phase-out program for the transaction tax, which also explicitly, and I think this is very important, explicitly ties in to phase in of the uh, tra- uh, transactions tax, I think uh, not only will uh, it be more transparent, uh, but I think you may actually get some uh, support from uh, stock investors because, well, uh, one tax may be increasing, but the other tax is falling, and the uh, more illogical tax is going to be eliminated. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we'll see how this political Uh, tug-of-war concludes and resolves itself. But for now, we'll leave it there for today. Uh, Professor Kim, Professor Yang, thank you both for your time today. Thank you.
Welcome to the Korea 24 Stock and Forex Update. The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index fell 14.23 points, or 0.59% on Tuesday, closing the day at 2,405.27. The tech-heavy Kosdaq also fell, losing 6.31 points, or 0.88%, to close at 712.26. On the foreign exchange, the local currency weakened 1.91 against the dollar, ending the day at 1,356.61. You can check Korean stock and forex closings at world.kbs.co.kr. It's time now for Korea Trending, a daily segment looking at some of the other news headlines that have been trending online in Korea today. And for that, we have with us Walter Lee today. Walter, hello. It's good to see you. Hello, Jango. It's always good to see you. Okay, so what topics do you have for us today? Okay, so first, a very sad story. Uh, we'll talk about a distressing case where a baby girl's dead body was hidden for nearly three years and who the suspect could be. We'll also discuss the police safety management plan for a World Cup cheering event that will be held at Guahamun Square on Thursday night. And finally, we'll find out what Saudi Arabia's King Salman did to celebrate the country's historic win over Argentina in the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar on Tuesday. Right, so we start with a story in which we warn our listeners that some of the details are yep. quite upsetting mm-hmm. uh, about the body of a very young girl yes. uh, that was found. Can you tell us more? Yes, so police are investigating a woman accused of hiding the body of her 15-month-year-old daughter for nearly three years after the child died. Now, according to media outlets on Wednesday, the police station in Pochon, Gyeonggi Province, booked the 34-year-old woman on charges of violating the Child Welfare Act and of concealing a dead body. The police also booked the woman's former husband, who is the father of the deceased, on the concealment of dead body charges. Right, so it seems both parents were complicit in Mm -hmm. this terrible deed then. Uh, I'm afraid to ask, but where were the remains found? Yes, it's quite horrific. So in a container used to store kimchi. So the container was hidden on the rooftop of the villa in Seoul, where the child's grandparents on the father's side live. Now, it was allegedly put there by the deceased's father after he got out of jail, which was a few months after the child is suspected to have died. Now, it is believed that initially the body was kept at the house of the mother's parents after the child's mother took it out of her own house. Right, so another question becomes how much did the grandparents know of what right. happened as well? Uh, meanwhile, do we know the cause of death of the child? Well, police have requested an autopsy, but given the serious decomposition of the body, the cause of death has yet to be determined. The police suspect the child died in early January 2020 at her house in Pyeongtaek, Gyeonggi Province, due to neglect by her mother. Now, the mother was said to have often kept her child unattended for long hours. She allegedly opted not to alert authorities even after her daughter died and not to take her to hospital. And how did this crime come to light? Okay, so Pochon City authorities became suspicious and alerted authorities when they found no traces of the child in the nation's health screening program for infants and children. Now, information on the deceased was also not found in the city's childcare registration system. Now, take note that the child's address was registered to a relative's house in Pochon. City authorities tried to contact the mother various times, but to no avail. Police received the case on October 27th, nearly three years after the child's death. Right, so another question that will be asked of the authorities is whether this could have been and should have been discovered sooner. It is upsetting to Mm. think that the child was hidden away like that for so long, but at least it has come to light now and uh, 
the parents have uh, been caught. So we'll see how the investigation continues as well. Let's move on to the second story now for today. What do you have for us? Yes, so the police plan to mobilise some 540 officers to safely manage a street cheering event at Guahamun Square that will take place on Thursday when South Korea plays its first match of the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Now, the National Police Agency announced on Wednesday that it will deploy the officers, including members from eight riot squads, on the evening that the Team Korea kicks off against Uruguay at 10pm Thursday. The agency also uh, will send some 20 officers from special units to conduct anti terrorism activities, including searching for explosives. Yes, all this comes after the Seoul Metropolitan Government gave the green light for the street cheering events to take place uh, in the public square in central Seoul, Mm. following a request submitted by the official fan club of the Korean national football team, right? Yeah, that's correct. So the Seoul Government okayed the request on Tuesday, allowing Red Devil to hold Thursday's event, as well as next Monday and Friday when South Korea competes in its group matches. Now, the move comes after the Korean Football Association, or KFA, announced earlier this month its decision to cancel its request to use the square for cheering events. It cited that it would be not appropriate to hold them in the wake of the fatal crowd crush tragedy in Itaewon at the end of October. Right, so while the official football authorities decided to cancel the events, the fan group took on the onus and organised their own events. Mm. Uh, So how many people are expected to show up for uh, the cheering events on Thursday night? So the police agency has estimated that some 40,000 people will take part at 12 locations across the nation, including around 15,000 in the Guahamun Square and about 20,000 in the Suwon World Cup Stadium. Now, the National Police Agency plans to keep a close eye on entrances of the key subway stations, electric bulletin boards and sloping roads around the square as part of safety management measures. It will work together with the Seoul government, the Red Devil and Jongno District, which houses the square. Right, after the Itaewon incident, there are understandably concerns about large crowds gathering, but it seems that every measure is being taken to ensure a safe and fun night. Mm. And hopefully the South Korean team will deliver as well. Perhaps they'll take some inspiration from the events of yesterday, Walter. One of the biggest surprises (laughs) in World Cup history took place, and that's our last story. Yes, it is. So Saudi Arabia's King Salman declared Wednesday to be a national holiday to celebrate the country's historic 2-1 win over Argentina in the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar on Tuesday. Now, King Salman's decision comes after he approved a suggestion made by Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman to celebrate the national team's feat. The government said the public holiday will be for all state employees and private sector and male and female students in all educational stages. Yes, the word shocking could seem more appropriate (laughs) to describe a Saudi Arabia's triumph as they were regarded to be one of the weakest teams in this World Cup, right? Yeah, that's correct. So many foreign media described the 2-1 win as one of the biggest World Cup upsets ever. Now, take note that Saudi Arabia is actually 51st in the FIFA World Rankings. Now, the only team in the tournament that ranks lower is Ghana. So Argentina is one of the highest ranking teams at third. Many people, well, many were particularly stunned given that the South American side was led by legendary forward Lionel Messi. So Tuesday was only Saudi Arabia's sixth appearance in the major football tournament, while it was the 18th for Argentina, which won two FIFA World Cup titles in 1978 and 1986. The British Daily, The Guardian, said the national football side's remarkable victory was being seen as both a triumph on the pitch and a huge moment on the global sports stage, where the regional power has long sought a place in the spotlight. 
Yes, it's an incredible footballing story. Uh, where does it leave them now? How many more wins does Saudi Arabia need to advance into the round of 16? Just one more. It's set to play. It's set to face Poland on Saturday. The last time the country made it into the uh, round of 16 was back in 1994. Right. So they just need one win, either against Poland or Mexico in their group. First up is Poland, as you said, and all eyes will be on that match to see if they can continue their fairy tale story. Okay, that's all for career training today. Thank you for bringing us those stories, Walter, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Come now to Korea Book Club, our weekly corner delving into the world of Korean literature through works available in translation and beyond. And our regular guide through that world is, of course, our literary critic Barry Welsh, who's here with us now once again. Barry, hello. It's great to see you. Yes. Good evening. Okay, so what are you introducing to our listeners this week? So this week we have a short story called "Weathered Blossom," and it's by Pak Wan So, uh, translated by Yu Yong Nan. Uh, the Korean title is "Marun Goat," and it was originally published in Korean in 1998. There are actually two English translations of the story available. It was included in a collection of Park's short stories called "Lonesome You," where it was translated by Elizabeth Hedgen Yoon, who where it actually has a slightly different title of Withered Flower. It's interesting to see the the choices the translators make with the title. Mm. Uh, And that was published in English in 2013. However, the translation we're focusing on today was published in 2006 as part of the Holland Books Modern Korean Short Stories Collection. Now, of course, uh, Park sadly passed away in 2011, but of course she was a a much uh, beloved writer and we've covered many of her books and, and short stories over the the, the past uh, few years uh, and uh, among her talents Park was a very celebrated uh, short story writer and today's story Weathered Blossom is a great example of her talents it's a love story that looks at love and romance between widows and pensioners and the social attitudes towards uh, remarriage and finding new love in old age Yes, this is an interesting topic this week uh, that cuts across some quite significant social trends in Korean society currently. The uh, number of senior citizens in Korea has, of course, been rising for some time now and is set to continue to rise. And among this growing uh, demographic, there is an increasing number of uh, widowed and divorced people. And when you combine this with the decline of the traditional three-generation families and the lack of government support for older people, uh, many senior citizens nowadays are expressing a feeling of Uh, abandonment and loneliness. So one way some are combating this is by dating again. And I believe there's even a dating app that uh, helps adult children find dates for their single parents. And uh, today's story, of course, comes before all that, though. Mm -hmm. As you said, it was first published in 1998, but it is still a very relevant topic today. Mm So, Barry, with all that in mind then, how does uh, Park depict this uh, phenomenon, phenomenon of uh, 
dating seniors. Yeah, right. That is an interesting point, actually. So part, she uh, she she was uh, sort of anticipating this uh, this sort of phenomenon before before I guess it, it really started happening. Mm. Uh, but but anyway, so the story is told from the point of view uh, of a sixty year old woman. Uh, she's a widow. We learn that her husband passed away a few years previously. She has four uh, children who are all now uh, adults, and they've all either moved away, uh, you know, moved away from their their home, their family home to different parts of the country or even left Korea altogether for, for uh, America. Uh, so as such, the unnamed narrator, she lives alone and she's increasingly sidelined from her children's lives outside of you know, phone calls and you know, promises of, of uh, visits. Uh, and unlike many seniors in Korea who live in poverty, she is financially stable, so she doesn't have any so monetary worries, mm. but what will fill the rest of her life? She's only 60 years old. She's in good health and could reasonably expect to live for decades longer. Life is, is not over for her. Mm. Uh, and one day, uh, like in a, a romance novel uh, or a, a movie, she has a chance meeting with a similarly aged man who is pleasingly handsome and exceedingly charming. And she experiences a swirl of emotions and feelings that she's not felt in many years. Uh, she says, I saw him beaming at me from a distance, standing under a street lamp and drinking tea. His smile was the kind that might easily seep into one's heart. So I averted my gaze. As he stood there, he cut a figure that might make for a movie's good final scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after this charming uh, encounter, they, they, uh, the, the two uh, uh, they, they embark on a, a tentative uh, romance and uh, so the rest of the story is about what will happen to our our two uh, 60-something star-crossed lovers. Yes, what indeed. Uh, However, while some adult children might be happy to help their single parents find new partners through things like dating apps, uh, this might not be the case for all adult children, of course, and I believe that's where this story turns to next. Uh, So how does this romance develop and how do their children feel about it? Right, so at first we uh, they, they both just enjoy spending time together and getting to know one another. Uh, we see how fulfilling or at least diverting this is. And it's interesting that Park you know, frames this in a certain way for the unnamed 60-year-old at the heart of the story. She notes that the experience of middle age for, for her and for women in general is more difficult than male middle age. So she says at one point, uh, the men's middle age looked much less lonely which doubled our emptiness. We felt all the more small standing before our age. Mm. Uh, and then she, uh, as she you know, reminisces about, about her, her uh, marriage, uh, we learn that she felt this emptiness once her children were raised and had flown the, the family nest. Uh, and at this point, she realised you know, what, what meaning did she have in her life at this point? Uh, and so she thinks to herself, why shouldn't she enjoy this relationship with a man who, she says, makes her heart pound noisily? But as you hinted in your in your question, you know, her children, uh, her you know adult children, they're grown, they have their own kids now, most of them, they have conflicted feelings about this. Their mother uh, dating again. At first, they're sceptical. 
but but it's a self-centered skepticalness. They're not thinking about her. They 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 seem to be thinking about that. They're worried about being embarrassed or or losing face in in their community or among the their family connections. Even though they've mostly all moved away and they they've not been showing their their mother much regard or care mm. in recent years. But then when they discover the the man's general good standing, their attitude changes. And instead, they seem to conspire almost with the the man's uh, daughter-in-law to get them to get them married. And this the way that they're doing this, it appears to the older couple as if it's a way of getting rid of them, that their adult children uh, or their their children-in-law, their their daughters-in-law, sons-in-laws, they don't want the burden of looking after these older relatives. So they're conspiring to Mm. marry them off. Right. So then again, it touches upon another aspect uh, of the burden that people uh, might feel to look after their ageing parents and some of the hypocrisy uh, around the uh, attention that they're giving to the parents at the moment. But in any case, uh, what about our narrator's thoughts and feelings, regardless of her children's scheming? And what does she want? And how does she think about this new relationship? Right, so this is a very interesting aspect of the story as well. So uh, there's this very uh, compelling section towards the end where the narrator reflects on the difference between love and romance in in youth and in old age. And uh, in this new uh, relationship that she has, uh, there's friendship and companionship and even some romance. They They make these romantic gestures and go on romantic dates, but there's something is is missing there's an element that's missing uh and she concludes she sort of thinks it through and she concludes that that there's something that is missing is the is lust it's this lust that comes with youth and it's she thinks that it's lust that drives us together Mm. uh and that without it a relationship is just uh she says a charming facade and she comes to the conclusion that this new relationship it's ultimately pointless at her age uh, and that she writes that it takes animal-like hours together between a husband and wife who had made children, uh, given birth to them, and raised them. That, that this is that that's what a relationship is, and it's quite a conservative conclusion in, in some ways. This view of love and relationships in general. I'm sure, there's some readers that might not like the way that she frames this at the end of the story, but but there's other elements as well there. Uh, you know, she she's thinking about what is the value to her now uh, of the experience of raising her children when they ignore her quite callously now and then try to marry her off. You know, raising them was her life's work. She thinks, uh, and for what? Uh, she has this final. Uh, she she's wondering this at the end of the story. It's a very interesting. Uh, question has some rather difficult answers uh, and it's a very uh, uh, sort of compelling way for the story to end. Mm, so it's quite a cold conclusion which is perhaps not what people would like to hear as you yes. said, uh, but I guess at the same time it does not overly romanticise or idealise mm-hmm. uh, love in old age and it is a story that touches upon many interesting social issues as well. Uh, once again it's called Weathered Blossom by Pagwansa and that was our pick for Korea Book Club this week. Barry, thank you for that. We appreciate your thoughtful reviews as always. Have a great week and we'll see you next time. Okay, take care.
I am pianist William Yoon. You are now listening to Korea 24 on KBS World Radio. It's time now for our closing segment, Morning Edition Preview, where we take a look at some interesting features or reports coming out in tomorrow's newspapers. And for that, our staff editor, Richard Larkin, joins us in the studio now. Richard, hello. It's good to see you. Hello. Good to see you too. Okay, so where are we headed to first? First is Kwon Mi Yu's article in the national section of the Korea Times. The Cervantes Institute, which promotes the Spanish language and culture, has unveiled the location of its upcoming Seoul branch. The article goes into more detail about the Spanish government-backed institute. Okay, so first of all, where will it be then? In Myeongdong, central Seoul. There was a pre-inauguration ceremony last week, and the Institute Secretary General, Carmen Noguera, and Spanish Prime Minister Pedro Santres came to Korea to attend the event. This has been a long time coming, as there were plans to have an institute in Seoul for years, but it was put on hold because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. Apparently, the institute needs approval from the Spanish government every time they open a branch. And they got approval last week. Okay, so it's definitely coming then. Uh, tell us more about what they'll be teaching there exactly. Well, the good thing about this institute is that it is not only focusing on Spanish culture and the Spanish language from Spain. It would also include cultures and from other countries that speak the same language. Mm. Noguera mentioned at the ceremony that Spanish speakers are about 8% of the world's population. They come from American and African countries as well. So it seems like it'll be useful for people that are going to any Spanish-speaking country for work or vacation. Let's move on. Where are we headed to next? That would be Park Gaeon's article in the culture section of the Korea Herald. The topic of Pikachu has been in the news globally recently, the biggest case being Taylor Swift's concert tour. According to the article, the Korean classical music world has also been hit by this problem. Right, so picketing is the term used in Korea for ticket scalpers, essentially. So people who mm-hmm. buy tickets for shows and then try to sell them at uh, increased uh, prices. Yes. Uh, why is it called picketing here? Well, so it's a combination of the word P, meaning blood, and ticketing. It is believed that scalpers use automated systems to get the tickets and then sell them off. They usually then give the ticket to the buyer at the venue just before the concert starts. The problem is that the automated system itself is not illegal, apparently, and despite upgrading ticketing systems to tackle the problem, concert halls and production companies are still facing the same issues. Mm. And you mentioned that the problem has now surfaced in the Korean classical music world. Tell us more about that. A recent example is the pianist Im Yoo Chan's recital. Tickets went on sale on November 16th. The concert hall could fit about 2,400 people, but there were apparently 7,000 users on the site trying to get tickets. The next day, one fan noticed that a scalper was trying to sell 12 tickets on the second-hand site. Mm. The scalper was also charging 100,000 Korean won to transfer each ticket, which is about 74 US dollars. So altogether, it would have cost the fan 175,000 Korean won, or $130 per ticket. Wow. Take in mind that buyers were only limited to buying two tickets each on the concert hall website itself. Because of the recent news about Pikachu, People in the classical music world hope that something can be done to stop the problem. Yes, this situation and the situation involving Taylor Swift's concert, mm-hmm. uh, as we mentioned earlier, has highlighted the need to uh, need for a rethink, really, a whole-scale rethink of the whole uh, ticketing system. Uh, but uh, that is something uh, I believe that uh, many people will be debating nowadays. OK, we'll leave it there for today's Morning Edition preview. Thank you for bringing us those stories, Richard, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. And that's where we wrap it up today. Thank you for staying with us. We'll be back same time tomorrow. So we hope you can join us again then. I've been your host, Kwon jang and thank you, as always, for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>